Hello and welcome to Pastor Potluck. I am Court Green and with me as usual is Peter Constantian. Hello. And we are here once again to talk about lectionary and all things uh, church and spirituality and the world today. And so I am thrilled to have with us a wonderful guest. And I will admit that today I have done zero show prep. I usually do very little and now I've done none because I've been uh, teaching my kid today. And so I am going to yield the microphone to Peter and he is going to introduce our guest. Well, Court, I've done a little bit of show prep. I've, I was on the website for the organization Ending Area Childhood Homelessness, the EACH initiative. And this week I was on the phone with a few of the of the folks who represent that organization, uh, most specifically with Mindy Rathbone, who we have here with us today, who is the only case manager for that organization. Mindy, welcome. Thank you, Peter. It's good to be here. We're, gr we're grateful for your time and uh, so looking forward to this conversation, to having you on the call with us. Mindy, we just met on Tuesday but uh, I was very impressed by your organization, and obviously you play a central role in it. So I was just wondering if we could start off by having you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about uh, how you got involved with uh, this organization. Great. Thank you. I am Mindy Rathbone, and I am with the EACH Initiative. Um, I am the case manager for EACH. And EACH stands for Ending Area Child Homelessness. And it's an organization that uh, we began back in 2017 with our first family. So very exciting. Um, I actually came to EACH through the open door. I was the assistant director at the open door down in Frog Level in Waynesville for um, seven years. And I, while I was there at the open door, I got connected with Paul Butler, who is the director of the EACH initiative. And um, I started on a part-time um, volunteer basis of working with EACH. And one thing just led to another and I ended up being their full-time case manager. So just to pause right there, what was the connection for you between Open Door and each? Was there one or is it, was it just coincidental that that's where you met Paul? Before you talk about that, I do want to say for those who are listening who are not from Haywood County, the Open Door is a homeless ministry that exists two towns over from Canton, kind of in our, I think, I think it's our county seat. It's in a town called Waynesville, and they do a lot of good work. All right, I'm sorry to interrupt. Go ahead, Mindy. Okay, so no, there is a connection. Um, at the Open Door, of course, we work with the homeless population, and each is working with homeless families to get them into housing. So at the Open Door, there was an awful lot of case management that was being done on a daily basis. And it just made sense that we at the Open Door would help assist each with their case management. It just got to the place 
however, where it became more full time. Well, we want to talk today about with you about the experiences that families that you have worked with have had as they transition into a home, as they move into a home, as they transition, I should say, out of homelessness. And uh, I do want to understand more of exactly what that looks like as they work with each. But I thought to frame this conversation, uh, we would use scripture to do so, as we usually do on this show. And so, Court, I was hoping that you would read for us Psalm 126, which is in the lecture for the, for the week. Certainly. Psalm 126 says, When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then it was said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we rejoiced. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the water courses in the Negev. May those who sow in tears reap with shouts of joy. Those who go out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, carrying their sheaves. Thank you, Court. Um, so, Mindy, I understand, as you said, that this is a relatively new organization. So from the time that you started working with this organization, I guess, can you remember the first example or maybe the most memorable example you have of watching a family or helping a family transition out of homelessness into an each supported house? What was that experience like for you? And what did you observe of the family's experience? And of course, don't use names. Of course. Yeah. Um, gosh, I have many <laughs> memories and um, they're all unique and also exciting. Um, one memory is when we moved a family into their house. Um, it was a single dad. And he said that this is the first time he would be able to sleep in a bed for over a year. Wow. Mm -hmm. um, an, another memory, and this applies to a couple of our families who were um, in the shelter. And, you know, thank God for our shelters because, um, they fill such a huge need. But in a shelter where all the families are living together, it can be fairly chaotic. And so I remember two families in particular, both of them, when they got into their house, they were just amazed at being out of that chaos and actually having some quiet and rest. Mm -hmm. um, so, but in all of our experiences with our families, it is a very joyful time and a, a time like the scripture says of coming home with shouts of joy. It, it is, it is that. 
And, and it's that for both, of course, the parents as well as the children. It's just an exciting time. It's, it's also um, a scary time because there's a lot of unknown that lays ahead of them. Um, but you can't discount that joy. That joy is just bubbling up in the families. And that is just so much fun to be able to experience that with them, their relief, their joy, their um, expectations. You know, it's just fun to be able to share that with them. You mentioned the verse and specifically verse six in the Psalm. And I'm going to talk about that and lead to a question that hopefully you can answer. If not, I'll have wasted our, everyone's time, but, and then I'll edit it out and everything will be good. Anyway. So in verse six, you have this image of a person who has seeds and they go out and they sow the seeds and then they come home with joy. This is what you referenced with sheaves, with, with the, the product of the harvest from those seeds. Bales of grain, other translations might suggest. Okay. Well, sheaves, grain, the, it's still the product of the harvest. Okay. Peter's, they've already taken another step, which is about to prove my point here, and, and gone ahead and separated the grain from the, the sheaves. But either way, in between there, work has been done. Yes. There's been some processes that have been skipped at, in, the, in the telling, but the work led to the joy. So in, in the spirit of that verse, we all want to skip to the joy, but what kind of work goes into it? I guess another way of asking this question in kind of secularized form is if one comes needing your help, how do they go from the, the fear and the unknown future which I guess still exists even when they have a house, but, but the, the daunting challenge of homelessness to eventually the joy of walking in their house and being able to say, holy cow, this is my house. Um, and what, 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 what is a typical family, what can they expect when they go to you? Okay, that's a great question. First of all, they do do the work mm -hmm. in getting um, prepared and accepted. Um, our application process is a very lengthy process. It, there, is, there are no quick decisions. Mm -hmm. So when a family is referred to the EACH program, that will start a anywhere between a six to eight week process where they will be interviewed. Um, we will go over the entire program because the program is not easy and the family has to be motivated and, and wanting to make their life so much better. They have to have that desire. They have to have that drive. So you are so right court in that they have to do the work. Um, and they do, they do that work. And part of that work is being open and vulnerable enough 
to let us as the case manager and the volunteers come into their life. We do life with them and um, we are in their life all the time. So, so this is when they, this is when they're, as we track the verse, this is when they're leaving the house with seeds in, in hand and they're, or they're leaving wherever, headed to the fields with, with seeds in hand. And this is when they start planting what will eventually lead to joy. Yes. So, so they allow you to come in and what is the work that follows? And I just want to say that as it goes in planting and harvesting, you have ups and downs mm -hmm. and there are periods of joy and there are periods of, of toil and heartache. And that applies to this program as well, because when you, when they cut, they're accepted into the program, they come into their house, which will be their home, hopefully for two years. The program is a two year program. Then they will, that's when they begin their work. And it is not an easy process to get over all of the heartache of homelessness. Mm -hmm. It is truly a lengthy process to so get you, out of that mindset. So you guys go through the transition from homelessness to home ownership with them, is what you're saying. Yes. And keep in mind that they don't own this house. Correct. They're only staying there. But yes, we go through that process and we work on life skills. So we will have um, a budget coach that will work one-on-one -on -one with this family, teaching them how to take care of their finances, how to pay their bills, all of those life skills. We will um, have volunteers that will teach them parenting skills or nutritional skills. Um, we just go through all of the life skills. And the goal is at the end of the program, they will be completely self-sustaining. The other thing that we work with is every family that comes into the program will create their own life plan. And their life plan is basically a five-year plan of their goals. Very detailed, very detailed. And they, we will work with this life plan as we go throughout the program. I don't know if I have a five-year life plan, so that's pretty incredible. And I, I, just from hearing you speak about these families, I admire them immensely. Um, so I'm looking at this psalm that we have before us today, and it seems to me that the, the, the writer of the psalm is actually perhaps not the one who is going out to plant seeds, but there's a sense of community here. At the beginning, the psalm starts off by saying, uh, when the Lord changed Zion's circumstances for the better, it was like we had been dreaming. Our mouths were suddenly filled with laughter. Our tongues were filled with joyful shouts. And then at the, at the end of this psalm, uh, like we've ta talked about, verse 6 says, Let those who go out carrying seed come home with joyful shouts. So there's a, there's a sense in which 
it's not necessarily everyone who's doing this work, but everyone experiences that joy. And so, Mindy, I understand from the conversations that we've had that the volunteers and the case manager and the director at each and the family are not the only people involved in this process. Correct. That you have another group of people who you call villagers. And so tell me more about that group of people and how, how have you seen that group of people who surround one of these families, how have you seen them contribute to this work? And also how have you seen them participate in both the longing and the waiting and eventually the joy? There are basically three partners uh, when a family comes into the program. One is the family. The other is the each initiative with the case management. The third is a most important partner, and that is the group of villagers that you're talking about, Peter. And so tell me and tell our listeners what that term means, who that people, who those group of people is. I mean, is that everybody in Haywood County or tell me what that means or what your hope for that group is? A group of villagers is a group of people who have joined together and have committed to helping a family. And that could be helping financially with the cost of a home, providing a home, um, providing for their, um, their provision um, when they need it. Or it could be people assisting as volunteers with teaching the life skills that are needed. And this program could not be done without this group of villagers. For each family, each family has a group of villagers surrounding them, doing life with them, um, providing the support, um, the social support that is needed for each family. So through this group of villagers, they will provide the budget coach that uh, works with the family. Um, we also ask for a buying coach. For instance, um, one of our moms was told that she needed a new set of tires. Well, does she? And where does she go to get them? And which tires does she buy? So each group of villagers will have a coach that will help the parents make wise decisions on their purchases. There's also for some families a need for um, legal direction and guidance. You know, if there's a divorce or um, child custody, you know, someone to help them walk through these different stages that they have to go through in order to become self-sustaining. So the villagers play an incredibly important role for each of our families. So 
program is holistic and it sounds like it does not aim at just putting people in put, putting roofs over heads instead it aims at complete lifestyle change yes yes well and, and to me it seems like what you're describing it runs contrary to our collective I guess maybe American ideal of independence. We can, everybody's responsible just for themselves. We can do this on our own. If, if, if there's anything wrong with my life, it's my fault. So like explain that to me. <laughs> what, how do you, what work do you have to do to convince people that like those concepts of independence and individuality are not always helpful. Yeah, and that's that's tough because um, that is a big part of we have to identify when we are interviewing prospective families, we have to identify if that family is going to be able to um, put down their independence mm -hmm. and let others in. And, you know, we have to, um, you said, how do you convince them? Um, I don't think we can convince mm -hmm. them. I think that it's something that the family has to choose to do. And that is hard for every family. And it comes at different times and different stages when, um, you know, they might want to take a step back and say, mm, I want to do this on my own, you know, and they do make their own decisions. It's not that we're dictating their decisions, but it's hard for people to lay down their independence. It's very hard. And that's something that we deal with throughout the entire program. So getting away from certain people's independence, I want to talk about these villagers for a second, because I think like the mirror image of the trying to overcome independence thing is that the villagers kind of seem extremely Christ-like to me, because essentially what you're asking these people to do, well, what they're volunteering to do is to take on parts of another person's burden, make them their own as a model a disciple mentor relationship, a change of behavior that is desired, which is exactly what Christ did in ministry through the disciple making. Mm -hmm. And then, well, and also by gathering those who are on the fringes and pulling them in, mm -hmm. but certainly also in the taking on of someone else's burdens, we see Christ at the cross doing just that. And so I'm, I'm I may be giving them too much credit. Granted, I only knew that villagers existed in the last, you know, two and a half minutes. But it seems like a very Christ-like position to me. And so I, I very much respect the program and also these people who are willing to do that. I'm probably too selfish for it. I'll just admit. It, it's, they really do a huge, huge service for these families. It's amazing. Well, given that they do have this appearance of, of being Christ-like, of serving in that way. I would think that there would be a lot of Christian churches and people interested in participating in your program. Has that been the case 
or not? And if not, what have been, in your perception, some of the, uh, the holdups or the resistance? At the present time, we have four churches involved with the EACH program and with our four families. That has probably been one of the hardest issues that we have had to face. And it is not easy to find the uh, groups. It's not as easy as you might think it would be or should be. Now, I will say that COVID does add a whole new um, mix to this, but it, it has been one of our greatest challenges to find the churches and the volunteers who want to step up to participate. And it's not just getting people who are willing to step up. You have to have the people with the right skill sets. If they're going to, they're going to model those skills for someone else. You don't want someone to go in there and teach them how to be worse. Right. Well, and you're, and it's a two-year commitment, uh, mm-hmm. I think is something that maybe is uh, scaring a lot of people, but, but, at the same time, you know, I think we're called as Christians to live a lifestyle that um, allows for this kind of service of, uh, to other people in, in our life, in our community, in our um, Christian community even. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed that uh, you haven't had more um, success with, with that. Um, can you give us any sense of like why, why you think it might be difficult for churches to come up with the, the volunteers or to make that kind of commitment? We also ask the groups that volunteer to um, support the family. Mm-hmm. A lot of our families, when they come into the program, are not working. Now, they will, they have to, it is required that they get a job at least within a few months after joining the program. And whenever they do get a job, so oftentimes the pay is not suitable to raise a family of two, much less three or four. So financial provision is requested. And that has been a stumbling block for some. At one time, we were also asking for the church, a church, to provide a house. There are numerous churches in Haywood County that have a rectory or they own a house. And even some of them may be empty. So the thought was that perhaps those houses could be provided for the families to live in. And that's a big ask. Both of those, the financial provision and and providing a house, those are two very big asks. What what kind of things, so if someone's listening and they're hearing that they need money and they need a house and they need legal advice and they need financial advice. So if they're, let's say there's someone out there who's listening and they have certain skills. Um, 
you know, other than financial planning and legal advice, what skills do y'all need that someone who might be listening could step up? Also, uh, what types of housing do you generally use? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm fair. I know of one, I think, and it's because I think the one the Central Methodist didn't they do one at some point? Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, I know of that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's all I know. And so, are you looking for, you know, parsonages? There's someone that has a rental house that's not in use, then uh, you could do a two year re- lease with them. What what types of things can we do to help? And you know, okay. through this, maybe some listeners get together and create a village or however that works. And that's certainly doable and that would work. Let's take the volunteer items first. We can you just think about teaching a person life skills. Mm -hmm. So whether that is nutritional, um, child rearing, budget, um, legal direction, um, also some families may need help with transportation Mm -hmm. or if a family has just one car and they have several children, there might be times when one child needs to go somewhere and the mother's working. So there are transportation issues. So we need, uh, we usually call, call them car friends, people who will help transport um, the families with transportation needs that is a big need. Another need is childcare. You know, our moms are working moms. Every one of our mothers right now is working a full-time job. And we have some kids in daycare. Well, the daycares take off and close during the holidays for almost two weeks. And that means our moms cannot work when the daycares are closed. So if we could find volunteers to help with childcare. So those are some of the needs for our, um, for our moms. Another one is a career coach. So many moms come into this program and with their skill sets, they will not be able to work in Haywood County making a living wage to support their family on their own without government assistance. So we want to look at where are their interests? Could they go to back to school? Could Mm -hmm. they go to um, and get a two-year associate's degree in something to make their life better? and more self-sustaining. So we need career coaches to help talk the moms through this. What are you interested in? Where's your passion? Let's do some research as to where you, what you can do and pursue educational wise. That sounds very similar to what LifeWorks does. Have you guys ever interacted with them? Yes, yes, we do. Yeah, LifeWorks is wonderful. And it is a lot like LifeWorks. Court, can you tell me what LifeWorks is? I haven't heard of it. Oh, LifeWorks is an organization that essentially comes alongside women and using what they are already either good at or passionate 
and they will kind of feed off of that. It's very positive. You know, you're very good at, let's just say sewing. So let's really focus on that and get you doing that better and teach you how you can make a career of doing. And so they, they take your strengths and, and build on that to where you can take the strength of your life and apply it to working. And it, it kind of, it gives you not only skills, but also helps you to put them to use and make a, you know, be able to sustain yourself um, through the program. It's, it's a very, very strong program. I, I don't do it justice when I explain it. Did I do okay, Mindy? You did okay, yes. <laughs> All this is reminding me of another family who um, was, you know, poor and looking for a place to live and uh, in a town that they weren't familiar with and they had a hard time. They were turned away. Uh, it was a really critical time in their life uh, where the mother was pregnant and they needed uh, shelter and they couldn't find any. And uh, every place that they went said there was no room. And I think that makes talking to you in this, in this season of Advent really important because I think even as we look at the Christ-like nature of the villagers, we also need to look at the Christ-like nature of the families that you're working with. And, uh, and ask ourselves, especially those of us in the, in, who are Christians among the audience, you know, are we receptive to Christ in our midst? Are we receptive to those who represent Christ in our midst? And I would say that these, these families would be really great rec- representatives of Christ at Christmas time, especially. Yes. What Peter is saying is, if you've got a stable, yeah. open it up. Mm. You got a manger, stick a baby in there. Let's go. <laughs> and as you were talking, Mindy, I realized that, you know, when you start to talk about daily transportation needs, child care, supporting financially a family, providing a, a house for independent living, that what you're, what you're asking for while it is, to me, very much in line with our supposed morals as Christian people, I can see where it's very different from the kind of charity work that many Christian churches are familiar with these days and up until now. Because for, for a long time, it seems that Christian churches in our area have been engaged in a kind of ministry that is very um, hands-off in the long term. It's hands-on as far as like a, a defined project that lasts no longer than two weeks, or it's even more removed than that by just writing a check to support an organization. And I'm sure that each is grateful for the checks being written, but what you also need and what your, uh, uh, what your organization requires in order to support these families is a kind of commitment that actually creates a community. And that's something that I think we're all realizing is actually how we need to be working as a church. But, uh, but it, is a, it is a growing edge for sure. So how have you seen 
the churches who have partnered with you grow through this experience and become the kind of practicing Christians that, um, that are able to sustain this kind of work? Most definitely, yes. And um, it causes an excitement in the church among the groups. And um, it's not easy. I, and I have to be honest that um, when you are talking about a two-year commitment and you're talking about helping with transportation um, every day of the week, that's a lot of commitment. That's a and lifestyle it's, change. It's a change it, of lifestyle. It is. And it's so much easier to write a check, right? And so it has been quite a challenge. But what is fun is once you get a core group in a, in a community, in a church, that is volunteering and really doing life with this family, you can't help but see and hear the passion. And then that gets other people um, joining in, wanting to experience what these other volunteers are experiencing. So that's fun. It's not an immediate um, Again, it's not an immediate uh, response of 20 people. It's something that grows as they see others getting involved and being passionate about it. I have a feeling in my gut that the work that you're describing about, be, about creating a community of support around a family in need, I have this gut feeling that that is the kind of work that Christians are called to that maybe we haven't been asked to participate in directly. Uh, and now it sounds like the, here's the ask that the each initiative is trying to do this in Haywood County. And uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of challenges. So tell us more, I guess, what your goals are, what your hopes are for 2021 for, um, the, I mean, the program is still young, but what is, what is each's five-year goal? Before you do that, I want to, because that question aligns perfectly with a verse. So I'm going to bring us back to the lectionary with verse one. Bring us back. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. What's the dream? And, I, and now Peter, rephrase your question or re-ask your question because I, I thought it had to do with what I just asked, but I can't remember exactly. No, it is helpful. It, you know, it, what we see in, in Psalm 126 is, is, is restoration or perhaps even the, the formation of a Zion that nobody had yet experienced as a Zion that was actually better than um, it had been previously. And so... Um, I guess, yeah, I want to, like, I feel this gut sense that, that the kind of work and the kind of community that each initiative is asking Christians to participate in is, is the right work, is what we're supposed to be doing, even though it sounds challenging, it sounds hard, it sounds life-changing. So what do you hope for? What is the vision that, that draws your organization and you personally, Mindy, forward in this work that that helps you to commit yourself to this work mm -hmm. um 
the reality is right now we have four families. We have four mothers and nine children who are housed, who are safe, and who are um, living a better life and growing into an even better life. That's the reality. The dream is for 2021, we will have added at least one more family and who knows how many children that will be. So we will have a total of five families. The dream beyond that is more houses, more volunteer groups, more families. Get the kids into homes where they are safe, healthy, and happy. The dream for me as a case manager is being able to help in making these life changes so their lives are really changed. It's not a Band-Aid. It's a life change. And they will become viable, positive, powerful members of our community. I think that's a, a wonderful dream. And I think, by the way, you probably hear our dogs barking. I think that's a wonderful dream. And I think it's a dream that we can all join in by joining in the work. And like many other dreams of the past, they don't come to fruition without us working together. And so I invite you as a person who has just been invited myself, I invite you to join into this dream. I assume you're inviting me to enjoy it, to, to join it. Were you inviting me to join it? Absolutely. Okay. So as now a, a, a person who's been invited to join into the dream, I invite you to do the same. And it happens when we work together. Amen. The, the life changes that we want to see and we want to see sustained in these families who are seeking to transition out of homelessness. I think your, your program is bearing witness to the reality that in order for those life changes to happen, the rest of us who are enjoying the comfort of our own homes, we have to change our lives too. And, or we're invited to change our lives too. And I think that that makes this organization and this scripture uh, a perfect meditation for the season of Advent because it's about preparation. It's about opening ourselves, our hearts, and our homes to make room for the unexpected the Savior of the world. Mindy Rathbone, thank you so much for being with us on this call. Do you have any last comments for us? I just want to say thank you for the opportunity. Um, it was great getting with both of you guys, and I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. And we just appreciate the opportunity of getting um, the EACH initiative program out there so more people can learn about the EACH initiative. So thank you. If people want to get in touch with you or get involved, do you want to share on here how they can do so? Absolutely. My name is Mindy Rathbone. My phone number is 828-734-8448.
And my email address is mindy at eachinitiative.org. Well, thanks again, Mindy. For those interested, um, Court Green and I are members of the Canton Missional Network. We're going to hear more from the Each Initiative. They're not going anywhere. Uh, we will hear from them on Monday night at our meeting, and uh, we will try to share that information as broadly as possible. But stay tuned and definitely check out um, their website, which is eachinitiative.org, email or Call Mindy if you have any questions. And until next time, I'm Peter Constanchin. I'm Court Green. And this is Pastor Potluck. Peace. Thanks, Mindy. See y'all.